The You're Still Here podcast is proudly brought to you by Hungry Hungry Hippos, the thinking man's game. Hungry Hungry Hippos, a game that makes you truly have to strategize how you want to go about winning in life. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos, uh, a game that derived its name from winters in Boston. (laughs) How's it going? Welcome back. How was your weekend? I hope it wasn't like mine. Miserable, full of snow and lost NFL wagers. You know, we got uh, blasted with the first big snow of the winter, and, and mark my words, it will be my last big snow of the winter. Now, I don't know if corner houses are more desirable on the housing market, but they certainly are not during snowstorms, I'll tell you that. Like, I had to shovel uh, around the corner of my house and down the driveway. I was decked out in my male leggings, by the way. Is there a name for those? Are there a name for those Under Armour compression pants? No, there's not. They're they're male leggings, and that's what I'll be referring to them as from here on out. Uh, So there I was outside, me and my leggings. uh, And I'm going to wait until it all falls before you go out there kind of guy. You know, I'm not one of these multiple shovelers. I've engaged in wars through the years with the multiple shoveler people, the people who... Uh, They keep going out there as the snow is falling, like the double and triple shovelers. They go out there every single two hours to reshovel the previously shoveled sidewalk. What the purpose of this is, I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is behind the five different shoveling sessions. Now, growing up, did you have any of those parents who made you get out there and shovel the snow right away? Like, did they, did they, when you, when you tried to tell them, oh, uh, I'll go out in a little bit, did they hit you with that? Come on, we can get sued. Did you have any of those parents? We can get sued. <laughs> like, what an urban legend that was to force you out there. Like, that, that, that's right up there with, with, with sitting too close to the TV will make you lose your vision or, or have to wear glasses, whatever, whatever they claimed was behind that and now all these years later where everybody's glued to screens every day nice to see that that was a full lie you want to talk about misinformation like that's the hot topic everyone throws at everything now misinformation yeah well you know what forcing me to triple shovel by using the threat of an impending lawsuit coming from what some person who who uh, likes to walk around suburban neighborhoods in the middle of an absolute blizzard who is this guy by the way who is this guy filing lawsuits after rolling his ankle on his daily blizzard walk. I find that hard to believe. These snow days, I'm telling you, they're full of urban legends perpetuated by all your parents. (laughs) With another one being, oh, you're going to catch pneumonia if you don't bundle up. No, you're not. You're just going to be cold. That's it. I used to play roller hockey. Uh, I used to play with a t-shirt in the dead of winter. I never got sick once. I never got sick once. You, you hear that term, uh, uh, fear-mongering? It gets thrown around there all the time now. Yeah, well, it turns out that our parents were big perpetuators of this strategy. They were the fear-mongers. They used fear to get us to do the things they wanted us to do. So hopefully you're, you're uh, watching this right now uh, from an area that did not require three shoveling sessions on a Saturday afternoon. Unfortunately... I was not at one of those places, even though I I could have been. 
I could have been. I was supposed to be in Tampa Bay for this pirate festival called uh, Gasparilla or Gaspy, as the influencers call it. It's basically Tampa Bay's version of Mardi Gras. It's got the beads and all. And I literally had a plane ticket purchased to go there. But because I was convinced, like I convinced myself that, that it would be a theoretical good time opposed to an actual good time, I postponed my trip to Tampa to next week. I thought it was going to be like New Year's where they, they try to sell you a good time. It's going to be this, it's going to be that, but you end up getting jacked up Uber rates and paying hundreds of dollars and it never ends up living to expectation. So like I said, I postponed my trip to Tampa Bay for a week. Well, like most of my NFL bets over the past weekend, that was a big mistake, huh? We got the full foot and a half of snow straight throughout the day on Saturday, which coincidentally just so happens to be the same exact time that I would have been strutting down that river walk like Davy Jones searching for the Black Pearl. The one small victory that I got, there was a high of 50 degrees on Saturday in Tampa. Which means girls, they were probably fully decked out in Canada Goose jackets and winter gloves. And that will always be a pet peeve of mine. That will always be a pet peeve of mine. In New York, the first 51 degree day, you go out there, girls have their Canada Goose jackets on. Canada Goose jackets, which are meant for like Arctic expeditions. When, when, when you read stories about going to the Arctic and trying to see what species are under the ice, that's what you need Canada Goose Jackets for. Not, not to just get from uh, Lexington and 34th over to Park. A Canada Goose Jacket is not required for that. But they still come out. They still come out. Doubt that there are many Canada Goose locations in Tampa Bay. I don't know. I, I'm not too well-read on Tampa, a.k.a. I actually know absolutely nothing about its history. But, but what's the backstory with these pirates? Were there really that many pirates floating around at Tampa Bay at one point or another? Like, I mean, you, you'd, you'd imagine that has to be the case, right? Like, it's not, it can't be some made-up thing like uh, unshoveled driveway lawsuits. <laughs> But seriously, like if you're going to name your pro football team the Buccaneers and have a whole festival dedicated to pirates, like Tampa Bay, it's got to be like the, the spring break destination for pirates. Like all those other people, the standard boaters, the Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, they docked at Fort Lauderdale. They went to Miami. Not Davy Jones and Jack Sparrow. No, no, no. Those pirates docked in the bay. What the hell am I talking about? Pirates is what I'm talking about. But I, I really do. I, I want to study up on them. Like, where, where did the stereotypical pirate accent, is that based in some sort of actual history? Or did some movie call, or did, was that the voice that they just made up for Captain Hook? They gave Captain Hook a random growl and one eye. So now we just assume pirates all are missing an eye. <laughs> But look, I, I, I can fully buy Tampa having a storied pirate history. It makes sense where it is geographically. But what the hell is this nonsense they're trying to pull in Pittsburgh with those pirates? All right, There were no pirates in Pittsburgh. I don't care what anybody says. When you think of pirates in your head, how many images are you thinking of 
that have like Captain Hook walking around town during a brutally cold winter? How many times in your head are you seeing uh, uh, Captain Hook uh, getting sued for not shoveling the snow on his deck? Never. Never. They go south for winter. They're like the Greyjoys. They don't stay in one place. They rape and pillage in one location and then take the boat to a warmer location. Just like Euron threatened to do once he learned about the White Walkers. They're out of there. They're not dealing with winter. The only guy in Pittsburgh who can pass for a pirate is Ben Roethlisberger. And even he's leaving. You throw an eye patch on that guy and you tell me he wouldn't make for a good pirate, old Big Ben over there. Tip of the cap to Ben, by the way. Guy won me a lot of bets through the years. And it was nice to see his retirement grabbing headlines for a grand total of 10 hours until that scumbag Adam Schefter broke the Tom Brady retirement story. I tell you, what, a, what an upstreamer that guy is. You ever see the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, when Larry's waiting for a cab in the street and as he's flagging the cab down, somebody cuts in front of him, upstreams him, and takes the cab for themselves? I don't care. I'm getting the cab. What, you upstream me? Everybody upstreams That's the cab. That's We need some rules. That's what Adam Schefter is doing. He wanted so badly to have that little broken by Adam Schefter little thing attributed to such a big story. He was willing to literally sandbag the greatest football player to ever play the game. Like, he's making the biggest retirement of all time, because that, that really is what this Brady retirement is. He's making it about him. The same exact way that he made Andrew Luck's retirement about him. The freaking guy caused Andrew Luck, the nicest guy of all time, to get booed off of his own field because he broke the story during a preseason game and they were going to release the news the following day with a press conference. But no, no, no. Schefter had to jump the gun and make sure that Andrew Luck was booed out of Lucas Oil Stadium on his last game where he was on the field. So his last memory of that stadium as a Colt is getting booed off the stadium. Thanks to who? Who? Mike Jones? No, Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter. Look, if he's going to do this just to get that little attribute next to his name or whatever when somebody else tweets, like first reported by Adam Schefter, well, then they should also include the second note, which says, yet yeah, the fucking scumbag that he is. <laughs> now, you know, Tom Brady being who he is, is obviously livid that he did not get to do this on his own terms, which is something that he's always done. Whether it was uh, a forcing Kraft to trade Garoppolo or making the Bucks sign Antonio Brown, even after their coach, Bruce Arians, said they wouldn't do it the previous summer, he's always 100% been in control of his own narrative. You can see this throughout the course of his career. And of all the people who think they're going to get a win over Brady, Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter, who, who quite literally could be one of the rat family members Joe Pesci is referring to after he shoots Spider and kills him in Goodfellas, when he says, I his whole family, they're all rats. Well, He's referring to Adam Schefter. I'm convinced he was one of the family members. His whole family's all rats. The fact that he thinks he's going to be the one to upstream Tom Brady, he's going to get one over, that was never going to happen. So what did Brady do? First, he starts out nice and soft. He sends a casual message through his dad out there with a statement saying that the story is absolutely false. Tommy has absolutely not come to any conclusion. So Schefter, now having the opportunity to take it back and potentially save face, he doubles down on the retirement 
uh, prediction or claim or news and says, multiple sources confirm to me it's accurate. So we stand by the reporting. So, I mean, at this point, Brady's got to be livid, livid, if nothing else. The competitor in him has to be fuming that the rat re-raised his raise. So, like he said, um, Tommy's not retiring. And then Schefter doubled down, meaning he put even more chips into the pot. So now Brady, on the inside, he's got to be like having one of his sideline fuming sessions. So then what he does, he contacts a representative from the Bucks, and that representative releases a statement saying... Tom Brady officially informed the Bucks he's like, quote, not even close to a retirement decision, which is highlighting the fact not even close. The wording clearly indicates that any sort of reports that already came out were 100 percent rushed, meaning like they should be taken back. That's why you would say he's not even close to making a decision. That would be to push back the person who made the claim. So Brady re-raised on 4th Street. There was a bet, a raise, a re-raise, and now he re-raised once again. Fucking rat anyways. Old family's old So rat. now Schefter, after that comes out, goes on SportsCenter, and this, this guy pushes all the chips in. He says, Brady's not announcing anything yet, but he will be doing that very soon. Make no mistake about it. That day is coming. Now, right then and there, if somebody had the audacity to break a story about what I was going to do in my future without ever hearing it from me, and I contributed as much to the game or whatever it is we're talking about, as much as Tom Brady did for the game of football, to have that little rat like Schefter upstream me so he can have his moment in the sun off of my back and off of my name. I'm sorry. I'm coming back. I'm playing. I'm playing. I do not care all the promises I made. I don't care if I have a movie deal. I don't care if I promised my wife, like, oh, no, we're going to do this. We're going to Greece for five years. Nope. I'm going back on all of it. I'm playing. I'm coming back. I'll deal with the consequences afterward because being that wrong as a journalist or a reporter, it should be career suicide. Like I used to be. Not now because it's, kind of just accepted across all uh, facets of journalism that everyone's just a clickbait scumbag who lies out in the open and then tries to stealth edit their previous articles, hoping we don't catch them. But make no mistake about it. If this is me, that's exactly what I'm doing. I've always said I'm willing to go 100 miles out of my way just to gain an inch on somebody. I will go backwards in my life if it puts me forward an inch on somebody who in my own head did me dirty. I'm going to make sure that when your name, Schefter, is Googled, and I'm Tom Brady, that the first 10 pages of results are all about how you blew the Tom Brady retirement story. Because then I'll make sure, I'll give, I'll give all those publications uh, uh, future rights to other things I'm doing if they just lay it to you. And that's what I would do. And I'll fight with my wife for four years about having promised the 2022 retirement and, like I said, the Greece five-year plan, whatever that is. I'll deal with all the trickle-down consequences caused by my spite season. But make no mistake about it, that's what I'm doing. I'm coming back for the spite season. And I don't even care if it's uh, uh, just for the preseason. And then I decide to retire after that. As long as there's that shot. I just want that shot of me on opening day of training camp, jogging into camp with Gronk in the pads, and then I'll be able to rest easy knowing that Schefter was then forced to rescind his story because I'm, I'm passing practice. I'm going through drills. 
So he has to rescind it. You cannot keep the Tom Brady has announced his retirement or Tom Brady is retiring in the offseason when he's at training camp throwing passes. And then when he rescinds the articles and when he acknowledges what he's done, like, you know, when Bain is looking at Bruce Wayne and then... When it is done, when you truly understood the depth of your failure, then you have my permission to announce my retirement after. <laughs> this may be arrogant to say, my my petty levels, they, they may supersede Tom Brady's. If this guy claimed that I was going to be finished, I would sign a two-year extension. That way he wouldn't even be able to use that excuse like, oh, well, you know, it was actually the article that made him play, so he was going to... No, I would sign a two-year extension and I would buy a new house in Tampa Bay. To cement the narrative, he's going nowhere. That's what I would do if Schefter tried to upstream me in the same way that he did with Brady. I'll tell you, that company, nothing but winners at that place. Leading into the weekend, another one of their highly esteemed journalists, Mina Kimes, uh, she was trending all snark, no bite Mina Kimes, who does what any great journalist would do when they're blatantly incorrect about something, block the person they just ran a retweet train on, and then just never address it again. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, a couple months back, Mina Crimes, as I like to call her, retweeted a story that inferred that the president of Barstool Sports, one of ESPN's main competitors, that he is a sexual predator and rapist, for lack of a better term. And she went as far as to say that this was a well-reported story in the retweet. Then what happens? Within 24 hours, all the actual evidence is released, proving without a shadow of a doubt that this was a full-on hit piece. And this was bore out later on when all the retweeting stopped and nobody had anything to say. So... What did a journalist with the prestige of Mina Crimes do when this happened? Did she say, ah, oops, I made a mistake? Nope. It was more like, oops, I did it again, as in I blocked you because I don't want to have to deal with me being wrong or right those wrongs because I personally do not like that person or that company. That's the 2022 way. Win an argument, you run the retweet train on someone or you lose it, block the person and accuse them of being sexist, racist, you name it. She's like Pete Carroll after leaving USC. Like, oh, he'll never have to answer for his crimes that happened there and neither will she. That's why I, I now call her Mina Crimes. Oh, I'm focused on the Seahawks. It's all about now forward. We don't talk about those old things. Yeah, of course. Because if I murdered someone and then I went to court, I'd love to tell them, look, I'm here. I'm focused on the future. However, like I said, this time it wasn't about retweeting a hit piece on someone and then blocking that person whose asshole you just left gaped open in an alley somewhere. This time she focused her energies on someone much better looking than the owner of Barstool Sports, Jimmy Garoppolo. She referred to him as like the guy who got an A on the group project without having to do any of the work. And then this prompted Jeff Garcia, former 49ers quarterback, to come out and say, who the hell is Mina Kimes and when has she ever thrown a touchdown pass in a game? And then it happened. You heard that theme. The, I believe it's called the March of the Urukai. The Mordor gongs were about boom, 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 boom. Out come the army of Twitter orcs readying themselves 
for Helm's Deep, a hundred thousand strong to defend old Mina Crimes. She doesn't do it. She knows they will. Plus, she definitely doesn't have the time because she's already pulling the Chrissy Teigen where she's literally blocking thousands of people one at a time who are criticizing anything she has to say. And, like, I know you may be thinking, hey, man, like, why don't you relax with that criticism? Uh, No. Like I've said many times, uh, if I make one bad restaurant suggestion to a friend, my credibility, it's ruined for 20 years. Nobody's ever asking me any of that ever again. And I I have to be held accountable. That's what comes with the territory. So... If I'm going to make the suggestion, I kind of know what's on the line. The same way everybody knows what's on the line when they come out with these sorts of things. Is Jeff Garcia a bald asshole? Yeah. Yeah. Should he have said that? No. Is it true? No. Wayne Gretzky is a brutal owner and Michael Jordan's a brutal owner. Anybody can do this stuff. Anybody is qualified to talk about anything If they put in the time, but sending out everyone under the sun from Stephen A. Smith to that Molly Ringwald, Dan Orlovsky, who who, who I believe said he doesn't like cannolis, which is the first ruiner of anyone's credibility. It shows that you're buckling under the pressure, if you know what that reference is from. Good to see somebody who doesn't buckle under the pressure. Take Skip Bayless, who's a clickbait rat bastard. When that guy says goodnight to his daughter, he checks Twitter to see how it landed. Go look at the things that are written and said about that guy on a daily basis. I have not seen or heard one positive thing about Skip Bayless in decades, if at all. I swear to you. I remember even when he when he made the switch from ESPN to Fox Sports, Troy Aikman openly ripped the hiring and blasted him as a journalist, as a person, said that like he was uh, whatever. He he bashed on him. You ever heard a word from Bayless out of this? Does he need every person at FS1 coming out? Does he need that other scam artist, Nick Wright, to come out and defend him every time a criticism is levied against him? No, no. Because whether you like to hear it or not, it's a sign of weakness. It is. How can you not handle this kind of stuff? Like, it comes with the territory. We're going to get on Cam Newton for being an asshole in the postgame. Well, that's what comes with being a quarterback and having to field questions after the Super Bowl. Well, it's the same kind of thing when you're going on to— Like, when you go on to a show, there's obviously going to be criticism. Any given day, somebody can and probably will come out and say something brutal. Like, I do a fantasy football show called Look Who's Chalking. If Josh Reynolds came out and called me a big-nosed, slow piece of shit who couldn't even touch rim, i say, yeah, you know what? I am. I am a big-nosed piece of shit. But guess what? This big-nosed piece of shit is not playing your ass for 4300 this weekend. I'll tell you that. That's how you handle something like that. Because unlike Mina, when Lois Einhorn asked me what I know about pressure... What would you know about pressure? I will not block her and then send my chalky minions to fight my battles for me. Well, I have kissed a man. It's not just me, though. There, There uh, is somebody else who doesn't buckle under the pressure, and it's another guy that, on Twitter, the never-ending string of orcs love to run the retweet train on, and that's Joe Rogan. Ever heard of him? Heard he has a popular show. Well, there's an ongoing campaign by the largest congregation of unfulfilled, unhappy individuals who all happen to live on Twitter. They're doing 
everything and anything they can under the sun to try and have Rogan removed from Spotify for, as I mentioned this term before, spreading misinformation, just like you can get sued for not shoveling within 20 minutes of the snow falling. So they want him booted for misinformation. You know, I remember reading something at the beginning of the pandemic, like uh, Joe Rogan is cancel culture's final boss. And as each month progresses and goes on, I swear to you, it's proving to be true. It's like a, a fetish they need. They, they will not be happy until it's him that goes. He's like Mike Tyson at the end of Punch-Out. And the Twitter orcs, they just got through super macho, man. There's one guy left that they can't quite figure out the timing to, and it's Rogan. And they're pulling out all the stops. They got, I don't know, I think their latest move is recruiting like 90-year-old musicians like Neil Young and three people I've never even heard of. They're boycotting. Spotify. And last week I told you nobody follows through on boycotts for more than a week. People can't stop themselves from eating McDonald's. They can't stop themselves from ordering on Amazon. They can do it for three days, but as soon as push comes to shove, they're not doing a damn thing. But regardless, that's not stopping Sauron from unleashing that full Helm's Deep army on the guy. Like they're mad at him for having an assortment of doctors on his show. They apparently, th these people, they believe that, what, listening to some podcast? That's killing people. That's killing people. If there's a doctor on a show and you listen, people will just die. It's like someone who opened their eyes in Bird Box. They just look at something and die. That's how it goes. Listening to a show th that's killing people, that's what shows do now, actually. When I watch Game of Thrones, and I believe that Stannis Baratheon was the rightful king, the one true king, I believe that's so much to the point that you know what? If something didn't go right for me, I'd burn my daughter alive because that's what I learned from Stannis Baratheon when I was watching that show. And that's what I will continue to apply. If something happens, I'm going to burn my daughter alive because I learned it on that show on television. Apparently, that's the logic behind removing Rogan from Spotify. But if I hear a sentence on a podcast, obviously now, according to people, I'm clearly willing to disregard everything that I've accumulated over the course of my life. I'm willing to throw that all out the window. Why? Oh, yeah, because Eddie Bravo told me to. That outweighed my full education. I don't care what this Dr. Whoever guy said on his show. I don't care if he brings in Dr. Phil or Dr. Robotnik. It's a show. Stop it. You all sound like... This reminds me of Bill O'Reilly when he was interviewing Tom Green in like 2003. And if you've never seen it, go look it up. These people on Twitter, that's all of you. You're Bill O'Reilly in 2003 telling Tom Green that his kids should never be seeing Madonna kiss Britney Spears. What am I going to tell my kid? This is disturbing. They're all going to. No, they're not. Your kids are fine. O'Reilly's kids are fine. Your kids are going to be fine. And a podcast is not killing people. Okay? O'Reilly's, that's what I'm going to start calling you now. You're no longer Twitter orcs to me. You're all O'Reilly's. O3 O'Reilly's. Bitches and hoes. But to his credit, Rogan intelligently, just like when Portnoy had that retweet train ran on him, he did the thing that I believe all people should do. If they're ever in that position where they're being burned at the Twitter stake, like Status Baratheon's daughter, you look down the pipe, just like I am on YouTube right now, you look down the pipe into the camera and respond to the things people 
are accusing you of, and you do it in an honest manner. You look down the pipe and say, hey, this is what's being said, this is the truth, this is what happened, and you allow people to see that come out of you, and they will know the truth. A tweet, those other people, the people running the retweet train on you, with their little snarky two-liners, like Mina all snark, no bite crimes, well, they're going to say their little tweets about you. A tweet says 280 characters. A picture, it says 1,000 words, and a video has 30 of them per second. When it's not words on a piece of paper, the truth becomes so apparent that even Mina Crimes will eventually have to block you, which is how you know you're correct. That's how you know you're correct, by the way, if Mina Crimes ever blocks you. So if something like this, I hope it doesn't, but if something like this ever happens to you or anyone you know, someone else you know, just remember, look down the pipe and address the things being said about you openly and honestly, unless you're blatantly guilty and then go into hiding and have your lawyers draft up a professionally crafted statement on your behalf. <laughs> I tell you though, man, these, these jam verified Twitter journalists, they are literally such pieces of shit. I do not put it past them to write articles with the sole purpose of justifying their own lackluster existence. Why people in long-term relationships are doomed for failure, says the girl who rubs crystals in the middle of the night with a unibrow and just got dumped via WhatsApp. Sooner or later, it's only a matter of time, there will be a front-page article written about why we all must adopt a minimalist lifestyle if we're going to save the environment. And the guy who writes the article is literally just trying to justify why he has a 300-square-foot closet in Bushwick. You know? Hey, you want to come back to my place? Oh, sure. FYI, I I'm a minimalist, just so you know. That that's why you have no cold cuts in your fridge? You're a minimalist? That's why you have no bed frame? You're a minimalist? That's why there's no heat on in here during the dead of winter? You're, it's because you're a minimalist? Well, yes, you know, I'm trying to save the environment. Didn't you see the article on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did, actually. It was right next to the LA Times article, which said, why failing math actually means you're smarter than the rest of the class. And then if you keep scrolling, you'll see my article, why unprotected sex means you're actually a better person in the long run. Cue to me walking out of a bar with a girl. Hey, uh, let's see what's trending on Twitter. Why don't we? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's something to this whole minimalist thing. Seems to be gaining more traction as the years go on. I mean, Los Angeles, they have a quarter of a million minimalists there. Or as they used to be called, homeless people. In Detroit, I'm not 100% certain that might be the epicenter of the minimalist mindset. Or as it used to be called over there... No windows on my building. Come on, windows? Who needs those? Totally excessive. Those are maximalist necessities. And that is a real word, by the way. I had to look it up before I did this. Because I was like, oh, I'm definitely not a minimalist. I'm a maximum. I'm like, wait, what? what is, what is the opposite of a minimalist? Ah, yes. A maximalist. That is the word of the day. So just like in Pee Wee's Playhouse, when you hear maximalist, ah! <laughs>
Oh, I, I do. I have a legendary peewee laugh, not the big one, the secondary one. <laughs> there really only is one time, one good time, one acceptable time to be a minimalist, and it's when you travel. Because there's nothing, nothing worse than enduring a full flight where you see, oh, two hours remaining, oh, 45 minutes remaining, and then you finally land, and now you have to linger for another 45 minutes over by the baggage claim. And you know yours is coming out last, so tack another 10 minutes. I have a 100% my bag is coming out last percentage every single time, so I'm not doing it. I swear to you. Like, uh, when I go into hiding, keyword when, I'm doing it with one single carry-on. I refuse. I refuse to check a bag no matter how big or small the circumstances, if I'm going to Patagonia in Argentina to walk with the goddamn penguins, everything I'm bringing with me is fitting in a single carry-on. It's it's the one prerequisite I have to traveling with me. We're doing carry-ons or I'll, I'll just meet you there, all right? I'll meet you there. I'll meet you by the penguins because there is nothing. And the rock means nothing. <laughs> better than that direct walk off the plane out of the airport out the front door it's the closest you'll ever have as a regular person to aaron boone hitting a walk-off home run in game seven against the red sox other than checking bags though you will not see me embrace any piece of that minimalist mindset and i, I don't think it's just me apparently that's many of you as well many people out there share my belief over the past few months have all of you seen these pictures of the empty shelves in supermarkets? A lot of them have been trending. Apparently all those people, they didn't read the minimalist article because like there's this trend showing grocery stores with empty shelves. And I'm nearly certain that it's politically driven. I think it's politically motivated. But let me ask you something. What, what are you that upset about? Are you that fucking upset you couldn't get Count Chocula? Like, I was in Croatia. Uh, they had one box of cereal in the whole supermarket. I have no clue what it was. It cost 52 kuna, and there was a picture of a building on it, okay? So just be grateful that the booberries are still there, and you know those will be there. A whole place can be ransacked. It could be a Resident Evil movie, and the booberries will remain untouched. I've never seen a cereal so untouched in my life than the booberry cereal because nobody is bypassing count chocula to go to the booberries and i'm honestly convinced there was a third one i believe there was a frankenstein i think there may have been a frankenberry i i, I may be a little out of my league here but but something tells me when i was a kid and you, you used to always love seeing those cartoons in the in the grocery store aisles but i always remember three I will look this up. I believe there is a third one. But if you need the Count Chocula and you're not willing to get the booberry, don't you worry, don't you worry, child, because old Kringle's got a gift for you. Kringle always comes with gifts. So if you do need that Count Chocula, I've got a way for you to get them at the supermarket, and it's with my scam of the week. It's a scam. That's a scam. What a scam that was. So this was all a scam, huh? 
It's the grocery store after hours scam. This is the act of shopping for groceries one hour before the grocery store closes because that's when they restock the shelves for the following day. So not only are you shopping with fully stocked shelves, but nobody else is in the entire store. It's like you're playing supermarket sweep. But it's like just you. It's just you, the Jolly Green Giant, and all the groceries you ever wanted. And why are these shelves fully stocked that you ask? It's because they don't want to have to do it at 4.30 in the morning. It's like, you know, when I was talking about shoveling, it's like shoveling all the snow at night so you don't have to get up at 6 a.m. and do it in the morning. So remember, the next time you see an empty shelf online, smile because you'll know that you were the one responsible for it. It's the grocery store after hours scam. I will end it with a quick note or two about some of my television watching over the weekend. This was the first week of NFL where there was no Saturday game, and I was so exhausted after doing all that shoveling. I go, what can I put on? Turns out the Royal Rumble was on. When I was a kid, I always remember those being on like Sunday nights. I guess that's how powerful the NFL is. So they put the Royal Rumble on a Saturday night, and the only reason I put it on is because I heard that Johnny Knoxville from Jackass, was one of the 30 participants of the Royal Rumble. And I just wanted to see, like, all right, he's definitely down to take a shot. But what I didn't foresee was how much I laughed when that countdown happened. And you hear the Jackass music. It's just so not what you're expecting. You hear Brock Lesnar's music, Randy Orton's music, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's music. Can't believe I got that one right. And then you just hear that MTV 10 spot drop. Five, four, three, two, one. And Johnny Knoxville comes running down. I, I, I cackled. I cackled. It was so funny. And before Howard mentioned that when guys are out there shoveling, wearing like compressed under armor, it's really just male leggings. It's the same thing with these wrestlers wearing bikinis. Wrestlers wear bikinis. And I find it amazing that they've never taken more flack for this. In like the early 90s and the midnight, everyone seemed to be dressed like that. But now that there's guys like Roman Reigns who wear like the full pants and it looks normal and he still looks jacked. How are some of the guys still doing the bikinis? It's unbelievable. Like they're going out there wearing 1994 whitey tidy underwear that just happens to be a different color. And if they were wearing that underwear on any different day and they were seen like they'd be laughed out of the beach. If Ric Flair wore his standard red, whatever you call them, bikinis <laughs> to the beach that he did in the ring, same thing. Nobody would laugh at him in the ring. Everybody would laugh at him walking down the beach. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird, weird conundrum there. Um, I will see you guys. I don't know if it's going to be next week. Next week, I believe, is going to be an audio-only episode of the podcast. But uh, we're going to figure something out because I'm going to take some time and work on a few parodies. And they take a little extra time with editing and stuff. And also, like I had mentioned before, I said that was going to be the last time I deal with snow this winter. And the reason is because I'm, I'm going to Tampa and I ain't coming back until it's warmer. 
So I need to figure out a new setup where I can shoot these and whatnot, but I will do it. We will figure it out. I already started looking at some studios they have over there to use on the interim. We will get that figured out and be back sooner rather than later, probably two weeks, but next week you can get the audio version of the podcast from Spotify if you haven't boycotted it or Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon, all the heavy hitters. Oh, and please remember, drive safely and uh, share the podcast with anyone else you think might enjoy it. You might think, you may believe that you tend to think would enjoy it. If you ever want to donate to the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash Andy Francis or... Like I said, you can just Venmo at William Wonka and make me feel like a dirty OnlyFans girl. All right? So uh, until next week or the following week, take it easy. Stay warm, depending on where you are. All right. Have a good one, everybody.